So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 10 today. We're going to pick up in teaching for today at verse 8. And by the way, if anybody needs Bible, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. We're going to display some of the scriptures too on the screen. Uh, A lot of slides for today. So if anybody needs a Bible, you could see Miss Hattie in the back. Thank you. All right, so if you're able to stand, please stand with me as we pray. We're going to pray to start off. Then we'll have a little introduction and we'll jump on in here. But we're going to start, when we start reading, we'll be in Romans 10, starting from verse 8. But let's go ahead and pray first. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for, again, for today being Mother's Day. Lord, help us to, to pray for the moms that are in our lives. Help us to continue to encourage the moms that they would seek you for strength, for wisdom, that you would disciple them, that they can continue to disciple others. And a lot of the moms in our lives, I know they're prayer warriors. I know my grandma was a prayer warrior. I thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for those motherly, grandmotherly prayer warriors out there. Lord, please encourage them. And we pray for today, Lord, that you would open up our understanding of your holy word here. We know that as born-again children of God and the family of God in the church, that you have called, you've commissioned each of us to be preachers of your word of truth. Help us to see these things and help us to see and understand what you share with us in Romans chapter 10, Lord. Teach us, encourage us, stir up our faith. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, you can have a seat if you guys would, please. So, as we open here, we're continuing to study through the book of Romans. We're in chapter 10 now. And it's becoming more and more clear that for us here, as well as really every church, every Christian across the planet, that we need to stay faithfully committed to teaching and preaching through the entire Bible. Amen? We must be people who are committed to the faithful teaching and preaching of God's Word, all God's Word, the entire Bible. You and I must continue to preach God's Word, and we're going to see some of what's at stake here. What's at stake in preaching and teaching God's Word is the salvation of those that aren't saved, and also the spiritual maturity of believers. So what's at stake? If we don't teach and preach the entire Bible, salvation for souls, for those that aren't saved, and spiritual maturity for those of us that are saved. Salvation and spiritual maturity. So we talk about sowing the seed of the Word of God. Again, this is just my intro here. We're going to dig on in as we're going through this book called Romans. We're in chapter 10 now of this book glorious things we're seeing here but just to kind of do a recap of another teaching we see that jesus teaches us that sowing the bible or the word of god is just like a farmer going out there sowing seed teaching god's word preaching god's word is simply like the sower who sows the word of god and so in again just kind of recapping that but it's a theme that we see throughout the Bible. I'm not going to go into this in detail. We taught through this before. Some of you guys might recall when we taught through, Jesus 
teaches a parable in Mark chapter 4. That's what I'm alluding to here on the illustration on the display. Mark chapter 4, he taught a parable of a sower sowing the seed, which is the word of God. And there's four types of hearts. There's always going to be four types of people that when you teach, when you preach God's word, it's going to hit four different types of hearts. Okay, And that's what's illustrated in that parable. You could read uh, later on in detail, Mark 4, verses 1 to 20, which you see on the display here. It's the parable of the sower, also known as the parable of the four soils. So one of them, the fourth soil, that's the one that we know for certain uh, receives the word of God, receives the message that's preached. And when you study all of them together through the Gospels, you you learn that one of the defining factors between what made this fourth soil versus the others is simply the, not it's not just the preaching of God's word, but the understanding of God's word. Thus the need for the teaching of God's word, not just heralding it forth, whether me or you or anybody, not just shouting it forth, but someone breaking it down, helping someone. They're going to have questions. Again, the understanding of the word. The understanding of the word. Thus the need, not just for preaching, but teaching, especially in the church. Amen? There's a great need for that. So Mark 4, which is this picture here, Jesus tells a story of how you and I must keep preaching God's word to the hearts of the people. And don't fret, don't fear, there's going to be four types of hearts that are hit, so to speak, when you preach God's word. So it's just like a sower going out. If you can remember the old pictures of anybody here of like Johnny, what's that guy, Johnny Appleseed? Anybody ever hear of that? So I'm kind of aging myself, right? It's like kids today, you don't grow up hearing of that. It's just you get the picture of a guy walking through a field, he has a seed bag, he grabs it, and he's just throwing it out. Some of it might catch the wind, whoosh, boom, ah, oh well. So you're just sowing seeds. That's the illustration that Jesus actually gives us about you and I preaching his word, teaching his word. We just got to get it out. One word is preach, which we're going to look at today. Another synonym of that, we could say actually in today's vernacular, publish. Publish. Oh, I can understand that. When you post something on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you're actually publishing Okay, these are ways that you and I can embrace in today's culture, even <laughs> without leaving your phone, without leaving your couch, you can actually preach God's word. So as we get back into Romans chapter 10, we see that Paul is saying, basically, salvation is simple. Salvation is simple. Let's pick up here in Romans chapter 10 now at verse 8. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we, and he uses this word, preach, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Romans 10 verses 8 and 9. Jesus made salvation so simple. It's kind of what the point is here. He made it so simple. He says, notice this in verse 8, that it's, quote, near you. It's near you. You don't have to go 
across a big body of water, like, oh, where am I going to go? Do I have to do a lot of works? Do I have to go to Jerusalem? Do I have to buy a plane ticket or get on a boat or a barge? Do I have to dig down deep? Do I have to be able to ascend into the skies and the heavens? No, it's near you. It's so simple. But how did the message of salvation get, quote, near you? And that's what we're looking at. It got near you because of this one word that Paul used about himself. Look at the end of verse 8. That one word that we just read here. What's that word? The word of faith, which we what? Preach. Okay, so this is the word we're going to look at today. It got near you because Paul himself now using in this book for the first time this word preach. He applies to himself. This is how it got, quote, near you because Paul himself preached. It's the word preach. So we're going to take a look at this word for preach. Now, I did the Bible study so you don't have to. This is, again, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. This is the Greek word that Paul used, caruso. That's the title of today's message, caruso. It means basically preach. When you look at the definition here, I have a, I did a screen capture of my Bible study software. Thayer gives some of the definitions. I just circled it here in the red. What does this word preach mean? To be a herald. You picture maybe the kid on the soapbox. In the old days, extra, extra, read all about it. Or you get a megaphone, right? You're screaming it out there. You're proclaiming it to be a herald. This is the person that brings news. I looked this up in the Oxford Dictionary. If you Google for that word herald, H-E-R-A-L-D, not the name herald, but the word herald, this is what Google will show you as of right now today. An official messenger bringing news. An official messenger bringing news. Ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus is your Savior, your Lord, you are sent. You are called to do what? To preach. To be an official messenger bringing news. Now wait a second. I came to hear you preach. No. You came to hear the word of God. And if God could use me, can he use any of you? Yes. Does he want to? I know he does. If you're already his, if you belong to the Heavenly Father because of being a born-again child of God, and now you didn't join a church, but you joined the church, the family of God, because of being a sinner, Jesus Christ died for your sins, You've repented, turned from those sins, and now he burst you into something new, like the caterpillar is now the butterfly. You are now his. And what does he birth within you? Just like that, the desire to now be an official messenger bringing news. That you've received that good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, and he now wants you to be someone who will proclaim that whether it's through Instagram or social media or best, if you can, face-to-face, person-to-person, one-on-one maybe over coffee. Maybe it's in a small group format, maybe a large format. Maybe some of you have a platform that you can just shout it out to people. But each of us is called to preach. 
every born-again child of God. Just a quick sample of that. We did this in our service meeting today. Who here knows that God wants them to share the good news of salvation? Raise your hand. Raise your hand up high. Come on, raise your hand. <laughs> he wants you to do that. You know that. So God's called you to come in today. I, I even pray, God, bring your children in, not just that are hungry for your word. We want that all the time, but also specifically for this message today. Why? Because we're talking about preaching. And this is not just me. This is something that I, I was on the other side, like, no way. I do not want to do this. And I look at it later on, like, how did you get that? to happen to <laughs> me i do not know but i surrender to the empowerment of the spirit and he just does this you and i just simply have to be open for it so this word for preach again it's the word caruso it means to be a herald look at this again in the red here it says always with a suggestion of formality gravity and an authority which must be listened to and obeyed look at this also here in the red below. Use of the public proclamation of the gospel and matters pertaining to it made by John the Baptist, by Jesus, by the apostles and other Christian teachers. Guess who the other Christian teachers are? Us. Right? I like that. I like that pronoun. Not me. Don't point your finger at me. Us. Who here knows it's an us? Okay? The Father, the Heavenly Father, calls His children and His family to share this good news. This is why God brought you in today. I came to be prayed for as a mom. That's one thing. But I think the Holy Spirit wants to reach the hearts here. So this word, Russo, it can mean to publish, you see here, or proclaim openly something which has been done. This brings us to something important that I want to mention here. And it's this. That you and I would preach is extremely important. Because who here knows... God wants you to preach his word, but you feel scared. Who here knows that? That's me. You know that? Even some Sundays, I'm like, oh, okay, God, give me your empowerment. I'm tired. I'm, I can't focus. And I don't drink coffee anymore. I used to rely on coffee too much. Anybody? Understand? Okay, some of you guys do. It's like, okay, I got to juice up. Like, zoom now. It's time to go. I don't rely on that. <laughs> Now i got to more so rely more and more on the Holy Spirit. But that you and I would preach is extremely important. But not only that we would preach, but what you and I preach is even more important. And we're going to get into that. We're going to break it down here in Romans chapter 10. Why? Because in these last days that you and I now live in, the devil seems to have affected this greatly. Where he gets the majority of Christians, it seems like, to go, no. That's not my calling, it's your calling. You preach, I'll listen. <laughs> you proclaim, I'll absorb. <laughs> but that's not only for the individual, this is for you and I. So in these last days, the devil seems to have affected, it seems like, most of what you hear. Anybody know that to be true? Most of what we hear. Most of what we tend to hear from pulpits today. Here's what God prophesied. Now, we're, we're talking about this guy Paul here, really God through Paul's pen, as you go through Romans chapter 10. He's now taking this word, caruso, or preach, now for the first time in this book, applying it to himself. Here's also what Paul wrote, using the exact same Greek word. Here's the charge that God gave through Paul 
to this person, Timothy, in the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. This is also not just for Timothy, not just for me. This is God's charge, his holy command to you. And I read this from 2 Timothy chapter 4. You could look at this or read along here. Verse 1, it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does he tell him in verse 2? Preach the word. I color-coded this. We'll come back to that. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice this prophecy in verse 3 and 4. This wouldn't make sense back then to Timothy reading this and hearing this in the church at Ephesus where he was put. This probably would have sound way out there wacky, but guys, you got to know that this has already been. This has already been so for some years here in America. Notice this, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Ladies and gentlemen, lift up your Bibles. Lift up your sword. What is this? The truth. The truth. This is known as a hate book. Now, remember during the shutdown? It would, you'd see videos of people just glorying in the fact that they would burn Bibles publicly. I'd be like, what? What? Anybody seen that or hear of that? People were doing that during the shutdown. I'm talking about since, you know, March 2020, during the couple of years or so that many people just shut down everything. What's happened in our country is because so many people turned away from the truth and many pulpits, sadly, have turned away from the truth. And what do they turn to? Turn aside to fables, just storytelling. Why? They're preaching to tickling ears. Don't tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. Imagine going to a doctor and you, you, you tell your doctor, now I'll pay you more money if you tell me something nice. Send me out with a smile. Don't tell me I got anything bad going on. So he takes your vitals. He's looking at your blood and going, well, Mr. Sagawa, I got some bad news and some good news. Well, don't tell me the bad stuff. Don't tell me I, I have something going on. Just tell me everything's fine. Give me a hug and send me out and send me the bill. Now, would you go to that doctor? Would you want to go back to that doctor? You want that doctor to tell you what? Fake or the truth? The truth. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what's happening spiritually in America and across the world as prophesied. And we're reading the prophecy, one of them here is that many preachers, many teachers are like the fake doctors. They're preaching to tickling ears. They're telling people what they want to hear, not what they need to know. And we've got to be careful. So here's what Paul tells Timothy and what really God is telling you. There's them, but you. There's them, but you. There's them, but you. Look at verse 5. Read this with me. But you... Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Second Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. The very last thing that Paul's writing about, the last letter that Paul wrote before he, history holds, dies. So God's giving him this strong charge. This word for preach, again, it's that same Greek word, caruso, to be a herald. 
He says, preach what? Notice what he says to preach. The word. What does that mean? Hold up what he's saying to preach. The Bible. You know, it's very sad to say, but it's a pretty telling, pretty accurate thing, is that when you see the scriptures, how even Satan himself can come to Jesus as the temptation of Christ, he's quoting the Bible, isn't he? You know what's sad? Is that even right now today, this Sunday, across the globe, it seems like Satan might quote more of the Bible than a lot of preachers. Now, come on. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail just from saying that. But that seems to be the reality. He's a father of lies, so can he speak the word of truth when it's within its context? No. He takes the word of God, he'll quote it even to Jesus, the one that created him? Yes. He's going to try to tempt him. Didn't he do that with Eve in the garden? Yes. Does he do that with us today? Yes. Why? Because it works. Because we're not reading our Bibles. And for many of us, we want to be drawn away to like the fake doctors who will tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to know. So this is what you and I need. And the charge is not just for Timothy. The charge is not just for Drew. The charge is for you and I. If you're a born-again Christian, this is your calling. Okay, You and I are sent. And we'll look at what this means as we break down Romans chapter 10. So he says, preach, again, what? The word, preach God's word. And knows the context. I color-coded it here in purple. Verse 3 and verse 4. Do you see the comparison? The antithetically opposed opposite. What is the word? It's sound doctrine. It's the truth. So what's being fed to people right now, this Sunday morning across the planet? Lies, fables, okay? And, I mean, you guys could slap me if I turn to that and only that. And I'm not teaching God's Word. Especially, we, we need to not just teach God's Word, teach it within its context so we can see as you break it down and see what's before it, what's after it. And sometimes you do a word study like we're doing today on this one word. Because Paul's now using this word, Caruso, to apply to himself, saying, this is how it got near you. Think about this, Christian. God's been convicting your heart. Who's the one that God's convicting to be a preacher? Who? Show me your hands again. Here's what happens. God wants to use you, just like Paul, that you would be a proclaimer of his word of truth so that someone else, just like it's being identified here, that they would have salvation near them. How's it getting near them? Someone has to say it. Someone has to preach it. Someone has to get over the fear of self, the fear of rejection. Even me. And that can happen. But we got to get over this. So what are you to preach? God's word. Sound doctrine, the truth. Don't preach what? Like it says here in verse 4. Fables. That includes things like the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth type of gospel. You know what that is? That's a subtle form of self-worship. Come to Jesus and you can get a lot of money. And if you pray, pray doing this, and you'll always get that. So God's now a genie in a lamp. That's not only false doctrine, that's radical heresy. And that's really common in New York City. Anybody here know that? It's really common, and yet it's really extremely tough to find churches that will teach through the entire Bible without man-made doctrine. Why? Because of these prophecies. And we're told that we're living in these last days. Verse 3, the time will come. Timothy. Christian, ladies and gentlemen, is the time here? Who here knows the time is here? 
You got to know what time it is, right? You got to know the time of day. Yes. So don't preach fables. Don't preach about money and materialism, which are subtle forms of self-worship. If you, even if you look at, some of us are checking and tracking even a lot of worship music. It has subtly gone from the exaltation of God to now exaltation of self. Now many of us are, are snuck in. A lot of us are singing about emotions. Like I'm singing about my emotions. Well, I got to get healed because I'm going to be led just like a, a, a bad salesperson going to manipulate my emotions. And that's what's happening in many churches. Now we're singing about emotion instead of allowing God to correct me, to heal me in my heart if I need. Because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That's Isaiah 61 verse 1. And if we're not careful, a lot of our singing, a lot of our preaching could be now just all emotional based. And some of you guys might leave here and go, oh, that was boring. Why? Because, man, I want to I get my preach on. I want to, come on, you got to get me all sweaty and stuff. And at the end of it, you know, I don't want to make too much fun of that because I personally, I like that kind of style sometimes. But at the end of it, what are you getting fed? Right? Think about that. How is it preparing you for eternity? It's not. It could be just preaching about emotionalism and now I'm falling to emotionalism. Now I'm getting stirred up in my emotion. And then what happens? Well, play the song again. Let's take up another collection. Anybody know that's what happens? God healed me from that. So we got to be careful. There's many false doctrines that have invaded many churches. And you see now a lot of them. Hillsong, a lot of other churches, they're falling. A lot of these leaders are falling. Why? Because God already declared this. And we got to be careful. All right, so Caruso... Again, going back to this, Caruso is the word that Paul used in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, when God commanded Timothy, it's just through Paul's pen here, he says, Caruso, Caruso Logos, preach the word. And those two words are the challenge that you and I have today. You and I have that challenge. Why? Because when we go to bring our hearts before the Lord, and he's wanting you and I to preach, you and I might want to just be like Moses. No, I'll just send somebody else. Anybody feel like that? That's how I was at first. And look, now God has me teaching Israel. I'm like, I'm never doing that. There's no way. You can kill me first. And now I'm like, no, I love it. Why? Because I love Jesus, and he called me to do this, so I'll do whatever he wants me to do. Personally, if it's my choice, I wouldn't do this. But because I love Jesus and I want to do his will, therefore, I'll do this. And now I see it's, it's a joy. And I, I can see his hand upon it, even in my life. Let's continue on. It's going back to Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Here's what happens as you preach the word. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's so simple. Salvation is, as he said, near you. And in verse 9, confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus, the sense there, confession that Jesus is your Lord. Is he your Lord? Or is he just fire insurance? He wants to be not just Savior for your sins, but the Lord of your life. So is he in control of things? Is he just in control of maybe 10% of your wallet? But does he own you? That's a real deal question. Because if he owns you, he doesn't just own your money. He owns everything, doesn't he? And yes, we've been bought with the price. What's the price that 
God bought us with the blood of Jesus. Think about that. So it's so simple, but he, we, we need to be able to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Not believe in your mind, because we could change our minds, right? Anybody know that? You can go shopping for something. You can go car shopping. Anybody go car shopping? And you like maybe you look at a car, you're like, oh yeah, no, I really don't want a van. And later on in life, you're like, I think I want a van. <laughs> you, know? you could change your mind. But if it's something that's in your heart, your emotions are kind of tied into that, right? Well, God wants you to be like that with Him. And what does He say about the heart? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. So he's already contextually gone through, after chapter after chapter, the fact that you and I are sinners. Anybody believe that? Okay, all of us have sinned. That's Romans chapter 3. That's seven chapters ago. Contextually, you've already gone through that. And anybody believe that Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Who is that? He's already contextually looked at these things. And then he rose from the grave. So we have to believe that in our heart. Not just, well, I believe because you believe. Do you believe that? With a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. And here's what happens if you believe this. Look at this in verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. That's like saying Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Notice again. Declaring Jesus as Lord. This word for shame means to dishonor or disgrace. Well, I don't know if I should call you Lord. I don't know if I should believe in you, if I should follow you, if I should give up my plans. After all, I spent a lot of money and I did all these classes and I got this degree or I got this job or I'm on that track, my 50-year plan, I don't want to give that up. So we plan for our current life, but we don't plan for eternal life being with him. And that's a bad investment. But notice how your heart might sit there and go, well, is it worth it? Anybody ever ask that question? I've asked that. Is it going to be worth it? Here's your answer, verse 11. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. All the way from, if we could say, eternity past, or even going roughly 6,000 years ago, from the creation of this planet and with Adam and Eve, according to the Jewish calendar, do you think God has failed a single person of all the billions of people ever created? No. And do you think he's going to start with you? No. God will never let anybody down. That doesn't mean that he's going to do things your way. But if you put your faith and trust in him according to what he says in his word, you will not be put to shame. You're not going to be dishonored. You're not going to be disgraced. I mean, come on, think about that. He paid for your sins, so you're not going to have to die and burn in hell. And then according to the Bible and book of Revelation, on judgment day, where are those going to be placed for all eternity after the great white throne judgment, if they don't have Jesus as a savior for their sins, where are they going to be spending eternity? In the lake of fire. And how long is that going to burn? 
forever and ever. Those are my words. Those are God's words. So the Bible actually declares that. So do the math. (laughs) Spend eternity there because it's simply trying to follow self. Dying and then I have to pay for my sins. Or the only solution, the only prescription is then believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. Turn from your sins. Repent, that's the word. And turn to following him. Like, Then I get to spend eternity with him. I get his love, his joy, his peace, all the blessings, or get all the curses. I mean, do the math, right? Think about that. One's a really bad investment. <laughs> and one is an awesome plan. It's the only awesome plan. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. So in all the... 2,000 or so years that Jesus died, was buried and resurrected. And when Paul wrote these things, in the roughly 2,000 years since Jesus did those things, died, buried, resurrected for your sins, has he ever put someone to shame? No. Is he going to start with you? With me? No. So should you put your faith and trust in him? Yes. He's wanting to. I believe he's here right now. So Jews and Gentiles can and should call upon him. Let's continue on. Verse 13. Notice it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to, like it says in verse 12 and verse 13, call upon him. Don't call upon me. If you die without Jesus as a Savior for your sins, you know, you can't say, uh, Final answer? No, you, you're, once you're dead, that's it. There's no lifeline. Okay? You can, it's not like the game shows. You have to have him as a savior for your sins before you die. The best decision you'll ever make. So all believers, you and I, we're talking about this word preach. Okay, these, we're learning principles here within Romans chapter 10 about how it applies for personal individual salvation. But the bigger picture, remember, we're talking Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. The bigger picture is God is teaching you and I about Israel. And this is how people in Israel, the Jews, how they are going to hear about salvation through this guy named Yeshua or Jesus. How he's Messiah or the Christ. How? Because of a preacher. And you take that, yes, it's a principle that can also apply to you and I, though. Like Paul shares with the people here in this book of Romans and how God wants to share it to others through you, you and I need to simply believe it, receive it for ourselves, and then share it with others. But if you're called to evangelism, again, I want to know who I'm talking to. Who here knows that God's calling you to share? To share the scriptures in some way, shape, or form. Who? Who again? Raise your hands here. You just know. Then this, please accept this, that here's what God is trying to get you to do. You need to reach the, look at this in verse 13. You need to reach the whoever's. Verse 13, whoever calls name of the Lord. Who's the whoever? What about someone in politics? What about a Joe Biden? Yeah, please someone reach him. He's a whoever. What about a whoever? Fill in the gaps. I'm not talking about just Democrats and it's not a political thing. I'm talking about everybody's a whoever. I'm a whoever. You're a whoever. Raise your hand. Who are you? If you're a whoever. It includes you, right? Gentiles and Jews. But the whoever 
They can't call on the name of the Lord if they don't know his name. Make sense? And so this is what Paul's going to do as he breaks this down. Verse 14, here's your calling, preacher. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, so everybody look at your feet <laughs> or someone else's feet. I've been going to a, a, a doctor who's actually helping me. Like my, I've been having ankle problems, a foot problem. I got flat feet. Anybody else have flat feet? Some of you guys do. Okay, so you understand. <laughs> Go to a chiropractor. It's like, oh, I got some good news and bad news. I'm like, bring it on. It's like, you're probably going to have pain for your whole life because you have flat feet. <laughs> so look at your feet. This says here, how beautiful are the feet. Think about somebody sharing good news with you. The good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. You don't immediately look at their feet. But they're the bringer, they're the person that is sent, that is going. Okay? Today, I mean, we could just sit there and we do a tweet. We could do a post on social media. You could pick up the phone and call someone. You could, you know, do FaceTime, Zoom call. Or <laughs> if you're good old-fashioned like how we should stay, just talking to people. Face to face, whether in public or private. But how are they going to hear without someone sharing with them, right? Do you know that the person that receives your message, it's as if you have beautiful feet to them. Again, I look at my feet as they're getting worse. I'm like, my feet don't look very beautiful anymore. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? <laughs> Mine are like all messed up. They're like, they get red and hot. I'm like, oh, man. Heat dissipation doesn't feel the same with flat feet. Who here has flat feet? Do you understand that? I understand that now. Like it's no, I had to tell my kids. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> you inherited flat feet from dad, not from mom. And I, by the way, I went to the chiropractor. You stand on this machine, they they scan it, and then he shows you like a print out of your feet. Mine are like duck feet, man. <laughs> they are like quack quack. <laughs> they show you like how your feet are they touching, you know, the ground, or is there an arch? They show us this picture of like the ideal foot. I'm like, what? That's the person that could wear like a Nike. I can't wear, you know, those kind of shoes. I'll wear like New Balance. They have wide sizes, right? New Balance is great for flat feet. Uh, and I looked at mine. I'm like, okay, mine's categorized in like the severe category. I'm like, no wonder I can't stand for long without pain. <laughs> but how beautiful are the feet as you share the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Not for the person that will reject you, but for the person that will hear the good news of salvation, that will receive it. Like you're planting a seed. The sower is sowing seeds. They'll receive it like a heart with like good soil. It's as if your feet are beautiful. Again, look at your feet. Or look at someone else's feet. <laughs> How beautiful are the feet. Now the context of this is Israel hearing the good news about their nation, about 
what God is doing to fulfill prophecy. But he's taking this and applying this also, the proclamation of the gospel. Again, contextually, we're looking at Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. The big topic picture is about Israel. That That's how they're going to hear about Yeshua being their Messiah, the one that's anticipated on, and the one that many Jews today, I've spoken with some of them, are still waiting for, but they're waiting for a Messiah that the Bible declares is going to be a false Messiah. Any of you guys know that? Okay. But how beautiful your feet will be when you preach, notice it says, the gospel of peace. So sometimes we need to remember that this good news that we share is not like, oh man, I'm so scared to share this. They're going to hate me. Now think about the person that will think you have beautiful feet. Like, oh, thank you for bringing, for walking, for carrying this news to me. That it's a gospel of peace. That without Jesus Christ as a savior for someone's sins, do you know they cannot have peace in their life? The world calls peace things like absence of war or a ceasefire treaty. They'll call that peace. Or when people stop arguing. Maybe they don't talk to each other. There's no forgiveness. They just stop talking to each other. They just stop fighting. That's not peace. Not God's police. Not please. It's God's peace, not his peace. But you and I can't have access to the peace of God. Neither can any other human being except making peace with God first through the cross of Christ. Get it? You first make peace with God through the cross of Christ. And now you have access to the peace of God. Peace with God through the cross of Christ to therefore have the peace of God. So as you, Christian, whoever you are, as you are living and walking and working amongst people, the majority of New Yorkers around you, just like when I go to work, almost everybody's not saved. I'm telling you, and I, I can tell by the conversation. Most of the people around you are not saved. Allow God to exhibit the peace of God through your life and it will become contagious. People will see you go through the same thing they do and what makes a difference between them and you. If you allow God to work through your life like living water flowing out of your heart, then it's as if they see God's peace through your life, the peace of God that they do not have access to. It's impossible for someone that's not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. They cannot have access to God's peace. They first need to come to the cross of Christ and say, I'm a sinner. I accept Jesus as my Savior, my payment for my sin. My Yeah, he's my great high priest, but also my, my sin sacrifice. He died for my sins. And I turn from my sins. Forgive me, Father. And now what happens? Now he gives that person the peace of God. And you guys remember, like when you first came to Christ, how God's peace flooded you. Some of us were like crying like babies. Anybody remember those moments? Because what flooded your life is not the radical chaos that you knew your entire life for years or decades, but now all of a sudden His peace, right? And that's something foreign to the world. Will you allow the world to see God's peace so that as you share the gospel of peace, They'll understand the Jesus that you're preaching, I'm not just hearing it, I'm seeing him. And it's a gospel of peace. Okay, it's not a gospel of chaos. And they may declare to you, how beautiful are your feet.
Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I put this into a progression here. And you might look at this like, oh my gosh. Okay, don't worry. This is the last slide. If you take Romans chapter 10, it seems like Paul is sort of writing this almost backwards. Paul is writing about the fact that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in verse 17. But he's talking about preaching the word of God earlier on. Like in verse 8, he's using that word about himself. So when you take this, my job is to do the homework so you don't have to. And try to, God willing, put this into maybe a, a tangible form. Hey guys, welcome. So what I did with this is to take it in the way that our human brains, at least if you're like me, anybody analytical? And you always look at things like start to finish. My wife, I know my wife. Anybody else, anybody else besides me and my wife? Some of you guys are. And your brain is already kind of hardwired where you're reading this. And you're like, Paul, you're kind of talking about it backwards. How are they going to hear unless they're sent? And Okay, so I did the homework so you don't have to. This is you on bullet number one. The preacher is sent. Like you might sit there and go, oh, that's it. I'm not sent. Yes, you are. <laughs> if you're already a born-again Christian, who are the born-again Christians here? You believe Jesus is your Savior for your sins. You're sent. Bullet number one's you. And now you're going to get your own flesh trying to convince you that's not you. You're going to get the devil jumping on that going, yeah, let somebody else do it. You just chill out. Just chillax. Let someone else do it, man. Do it tomorrow. Anybody have that kind of weird lie preached to them all the time? Then what happens? What's the net result? What's the payload? If the preacher, look at the second bullet, never preaches God's word, there's no salvation and no spiritual maturity. No salvation for those that aren't saved and no spiritual maturity for the Christian. That's the net result. That's why the devil is like working overtime. He's doing a good job, it seems, with many churches and many false preachers and teachers as Jesus and the apostles prophesied would be here and have been here already. That if people want to preach, that's great. You should preach, but you need to preach what? The Word. So if the Word of God never gets preached, if this entire Bible never gets preached and taught through within its context, what's at stake? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Lift it up, guys. Hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. That's exactly it. So keep your Bible lifted. If you're able to. Ladies and gentlemen, what's in your hand is what God has called you to preach. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because your hand's already raised. God's called you. God sent you. That's why you're here now. We've been praying for years. Since I landed 21 years ago, God, show me people that are serious about learning your word. That's all I care about. That's why I came. I'll do evangelists. I'll need to do the work of an evangelist. But I know that my calling is really to teach God's word. That's my anointing. And I, can't, I don't want to step out of that. But I see what God's doing. I see what he's done here. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're a born again Christian and you're in this church, you're sent. Anybody know that? Okay. Anybody? Maybe you have a challenge with that. But you're sent. You're sent. God has already called you and sent you. So the two challenges you're going to have, am I sent? Yes, you are if you're a born-again Christian. What do I preach? Preach what? 
the Word, the Word of God. Okay? And now Satan's going to try to get you to preach everything else. Why? Because if you don't preach the Word of God, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. People aren't going to be able to hear from God. They're going to hear from Satan. Or they're going to keep hearing their own flesh, and I'm going to keep making bad emotional decisions. And that happens. That's happened to me. That's happened to all of us. And Satan knows that. So if you're not preaching the Word of God, you're called. Once you're a born-again Christian, you're already sent. You're already called to do what? Bullet two. Preach God's Word. As you preach God's Word, within whatever context God has already given you, and He's preparing you right now for something tomorrow, you can't see it. I couldn't see this. I didn't have the faith when I moved here 21 years ago. 21 years ago, I'm like, okay, God, I don't know anybody here. I literally knew... On one hand, I can count the amount of people I knew that lived in this city when I moved here. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. Of course, I met people on the way, but I had to rely on the Lord. And I knew that He can do it. And I knew that this is what He's called me to. But God, it'd be nice to get to know some people and have some kind of friends out here. I'd go all the way to the Bronx to be able to find fellowship that I was in agreement with, that people would actually teach through the Bible. The church, sadly, is not there anymore. But that was a church that I knew that would teach, another Calvary Chapel, they would teach through the Bible. And they would worship that wouldn't be just all emotional and frivolous, but it would be simple, let me just say, and scriptural. So the devil in your flesh is going to try to get you to not believe that you're sent. And then once you're convinced of that, that you're called, you're sent to preach God's word, then you got to be aware that your own heart's probably going to try to get you to maybe preach something else. Or Satan's going to try to get you to preach something else. Maybe, hey, you know, the way to stir up a crowd is tell them it's your best life now. Or, or tell them it's all about you. Or tell them how they can make a lot of money. Oh yeah, people will flock to that. You get the people in the bodegas, the scratchers. You ever see them? Those old men only like, ah. <laughs> They're like, some people are like really fiending. I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But those are the same type of profile that's picked on in the low-income areas many times. And the same type of person is now preached, what, prosperity gospel. And they want to come to Jesus, not for salvation and not for growth. They want to come to Jesus. Why? I'm going to get some money. It's gambling and it's an addiction. So it's easy to prey upon, sadly, so sad. Pray for that. Pray against it. So you as a preacher, you need to preach God's word. And then what happens next? Now that person hears God's word. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't worry about how you would pronounce it and how you would share it. I mean, I don't even like my voice. I shared earlier with our service meeting the first time in the like 1980s or so when I recorded my own voice. It was a speech class. And it was a speech class where the first class the teacher said, this is not like a Bible college or anything. I went to a community college in Cypress, California, in Orange County. The the teacher of the course said, okay, you got to bring um, a VHS tape. Anybody here remember VHS? Okay, I'm kind of dating myself by saying that, right? So the younger folks are like, what's, what's VHS? <laughs> oh, MP3s. So I had to bring a VHS tape. And I'm like, wait a second. It's not like cassette tape. I was an ex-DJ, so I understand cassette tapes. Like, who here knows cassette tapes are? Some of you, okay. <laughs> who here knows 8-track? 
<laughs> All right. So what I'm getting at, cassette tapes is more audio. Video with the audio is like the VHS tape. So we had to bring a VHS tape in. I'm like, wait, uh, uh, excuse me. Um, you're going to video? Hey. Yep. <laughs> I remember stumbling through that, and I would listen to myself. Ah, oh, I still don't like listening to myself. I listen to myself. This is back then. I'm like, I thought I sounded like Charlie Brown. I'm like, oh, man. So you and I have to get over the fact that it's not a matter of how you would say it. It's a matter of the powers in the Word of God. Amen? The powers in God's Word. So people need to hear God's Word. So then going through this, the person has faith in Jesus because of God's Word. So then that person can confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. That person can believe that Jesus resurrected, but how are they going to learn that? From you, from me, from we being the preachers to share with them. Then that person can call upon Jesus like we just read. Look at this again in verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How are they going to call on him unless you preach? That's the point. So as that person calls upon Jesus, then what happens? That person can get saved. And whoever puts their trust in him, they will not be put to shame. Look at this in verse 11. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. All right, we're going over time. I'm going to have to close here. But can we all stand? Again, I just put this into a bullet point format, the progression step by step. Uh, let me know if you have questions or maybe you can help me to refine this. I don't know. But I want to encourage you, if you believe God has called you to be a, a preacher of his word, teacher of his word, you're sharing scripture, however you do it, whatever you want to call it, I want to close to encourage you, but also I wanted you to come up so I could pray for you, no matter who you are. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then we can we can end our time. But I'm also going to ask for those that feel led to uh, be a preacher of God's word of truth that you come forward. I want to simply pray for you. So Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone before us like the Apostle Paul who had to simply accept your calling. And all, oh, Lord, we ask that you would give us that same faith. Stir within us, Lord. It's your same Holy Spirit that lives within us as born-again children. Lord, we again believe that Jesus died on the the cross for our sins. We believe that he was buried. We believe that he rose from the grave. We believe it in our heart. We confess you, Jesus, as not just Savior for our sins, but the Lord of our lives. And we ask, Father, can you please empower us through your Spirit? that we would go forth from here, that when we do leave, whenever we do, we would leave as a missionary, that we could preach your word of truth, that we would stop telling ourselves and telling you lies and excuses, that we would simply surrender to the work of your spirit in our lives, that we could be the next preachers of your word of truth, and that you would give us creative ways that we could share. But help us, Lord, to get over self. Help us. We need the empowerment of your spirit. Empower us for we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.